This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's Friday, which means the weekly news panel gets together. Welcoming into the show, the panelists, Joita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. Hello, Joita. Good morning, Dave. And good morning to Michelle. Good morning, guys. All right, let's jump right in. There have been some serious developments in the Hockey Canada scandal. London police have charged five players from Canada's 2018 World Junior team with an alleged sexual Mm -hmm. assault. Four of the players are on leave from their NHL teams. One player is no longer in the league. Joita, what are your takeaways from the last two weeks in this scandal? I don't want to get into too many particulars here. It is an ongoing uh, criminal investigation, and uh, I don't also want to speculate too much if I can help it. But my key takeaway is that these allegations were first made in 2018, uh, in June 2018, and after the sexual assault allegedly took place, it was reported to Hockey Canada the very next day. Mm -hmm. And if you fast forward now, it's 2024, and we're still talking about this. And I think my key takeaway really is about how these situations get handled by institutions, uh, whether it's, you know, a hockey league or, you know, we've had other scandals at colleges and universities where there's a real impetus to try and deal with these things internally. And in so doing, when we have, it's a bit like the fox watching the hen house. So I don't know if we really get any satisfactory resolutions rather than just having gone through, uh, gone to the police right away and had that criminal investigation. It is possible that, even if there were would have been some reputational damage to the institution, uh, what we're seeing right now is some six years on or five years on, this incident continues to cast a long shadow. Obviously, it's hard for the victim and difficult for the victim. There's no denying that. But also, in all fairness, it's it's hard on the people who have been accused uh, because no one is really and and hard because no one is really seeing a clear end to this. Uh, and there have been, you know, broader repercussions for Hockey Canada, which I think we might get a chance to talk about later. But I think my key takeaway really is it's better to just handle these things in the way in the way that they were always meant to be handled, which is, you know, by involving the police and by conducting a thorough cr- criminal investigation. Because right now what you're looking at is a situation where no one is happy and this thing has been dragged on far too long. Six years is really quite a long time. Yeah, an important piece of context here, based on backlogs in the Ontario court system, it's estimated that this court, this case will not even go to court until 2026, uh, mm, a ways wow. away down the road, and considering the alleged assault took place in 2018. it Michelle, I, I also am struck by just the timeline nature of this. The fact that the London police investigated this once before yes, and, and, let exactly. it, and let it go, and that Hockey Canada was involved in their own internal operations uh, in regards to trying to get settlements and non-disclosure agreements that I, I just feel for a victim who might have to wait nine or ten years to get justice 
we are all very much on the same page because it was similar aspects that jumped out at me, specifically the police part. I'm glad you raised that, Dave, because that's that really jumped out at me, too. This is a case where according to all the reporting that's been done so far, and of course we know that we're, we're there's still a lot of facts that will need to come out through the criminal process, but from all we've heard, uh, the victim did report the alleged assault the very next day. Uh, she followed all the timelines that one is supposed to follow when reporting an incident or allegations of this nature. The police investigated it and no charges were laid. It was only this past summer, last summer, when the scandal was at full boil that the police decided to reopen the investigation. So that's kind of what jumped out at me as well. Is is and bear in mind this was all in 2018. We were months removed from the Me Too movement from the start of it. So this was really mm. top of mind at the time. And even so, we saw this sort of complaint handled in what could what I would best describe as the old school way of okay, well nothing nothing was found, nothing was done. Lo and behold, they reopen the investigation, and all of a sudden they're in position to charge five people. It, it, there there are questions that are raised about the kind of investigation that took place and the processes that are followed. So like both of you, I'm thinking a lot about process and, and transparency. That's the other piece of it, too, is that there's all kinds of investigations, none of which have been released, whether it's from Hockey Canada or or the NHL itself, uh, all kinds of probes that are mm. all kind of still in the wind, and we don't have much information about it. So like you guys, I circle around transparency and disclosure and process right yeah. now. And some of the implications is where we can do a bit of speculation here. Again, I want to be respectful because this is a very much a human story, but there are institutional implications, whether it be to Hockey Canada, the National Hockey League, or even hockey culture more broadly. One of the things I've been struck by this week is a lot of silence from Hockey mm -hmm. Canada, even, yes. with, even with the board changeover. And and what I what I will say is probably an earnest good faith attempt to try and change the way the institution operates. Joita, I I am a little shocked by the silence this week from Hockey Canada. Yeah, the silence is very telling, especially when you think about what happened. Um, so I want to say some eighteen to twenty months ago, where we had the announcement from the federal government where they were pulling funding from Hockey Canada until mm -hmm. this was adequately addressed. If you remember, they um, they subsequently restored funding to Hockey Canada in last April with the proviso that they would address the culture of silence, the trivialization of sexual assault, and um, and and really address the culture around a safe sport. Uh, and yet the silence, as you noted, is so telling, especially in light of um, in light of what happened with the federal government and the cessation, at least for a time, of, of funding, uh, the freezing of funding. So that, you know, that culture of silence is at the root of a lot of these problems. Uh, and that's really where a lot of the change needs to come from, where we where I think Hockey Canada, the NHL and indeed any large institution for that matter uh, needs to think through the implications um, of how they handle things like sexual misconduct or even bullying uh, in sport, where uh, the institution and players themselves are made to understand that the establishment will no longer protect them. And I think mm. what that's the, that's really been both a key takeaway and also the implications here are, if you think about the implications uh, there are obviously implications for the players and implications for the victim, as I said before. But I think, in terms of the uh, in terms of the institution, in terms of Hockey Canada, the biggest 
implication is that yes you're not really dealing with it in the way that you were supposed to and that the culture around sports and safe sports and uh, and ensuring that um that sexual assaults don't just get you know shoved under the rug that that culture ne needed to to change and that change is is long overdue yeah uh michelle i, I do want to talk about the <laughs> national hockey league but i want to give you the general opportunity in your mind the bigger implications for hockey but yeah this is it i mean all of this makes one wonder about those pledges to tackle the culture in light of the silence and may maybe this is part of a more comprehensive response coming forward but we don't know that. And and like we all mentioned before, transparency has been a consistent theme of something that's been lacking throughout all of this. But yeah, when an organization pledges to make all kinds of changes and then stays silent in the face of such significant developments as criminal charges against five people, uh, that certainly raises some questions for me about uh the commitment to the project overall. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about the National Hockey League just because there are four players who have NHL contracts who are now on leaves of absences from their teams. And there becomes a very complicated labor conversation that the NHL is going to have to grapple with in both real time and moving forward because NHL contracts are guaranteed. That's been worked out through collective bargaining. So these four players who are on leaves of absences are still drawing their salaries under their contracts. And I do feel that one of the bigger implications that the NHL and their players union is going to have to grapple with moving forward is how they handle that side of the labor equation. Because mm -hmm. these players were actively given contracts by teams while some of these investigations and speculations were going on. And and Joita, I, 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 I know it's not as big a deal as the human story, but as someone who's just interested in collective bargaining and labor, I do think that's a big implication moving forward as well. Because some of that money is going to be used for legal fee like legal defense fees, right? Like like that that gives you a sense of power in a courtroom. Yeah, of course it does. That's a that's a really good point. But at the same time, the purpose of any union is to defend its members. Um, and when it comes to a matter like this, it, it these are still alleged. This is still we're still yes. talking about yes. this being an alleged sexual um, you know misconduct. We're not really able to make a decision one way or the other. And what the precedent in in any sphere is that you know if there's an alleged anything, you presume innocent until proven guilty and that's where the point about the yeah. delay becomes even more detrimental to the to the to the whole process because the flip side of it is you can't punish somebody for something they've allegedly done mm -hmm. you do need to have some yeah. clarity on whether they were actually guilty of the thing that they are accused of having done but here we are six years on and we don't know any way one way or the other so i think the real issue here you're right to like flag the labor implications and the conversations that the unions need to have about how they handle these things but remember that the crux the whole point of belonging to a union is that they will have to defend a, a worker to the best of their abilities and that does create some sticky situations but that's ultimately why yeah. a union exists to protect the workers yeah you know, you know michelle yeah. as i raise that it's not simply about the players association though it's also about the investigative powers of the league because the league has done some investigation on this and the league has worn some of their own egg on their face in the last couple of years with the uh, scandals with the chicago blackhawks so that's one of the reasons why i think mm. about the bigger implications around the culture of the national hockey league that they pardon the pun don't get to necessarily scale on this just because they're not the institution in question 
no, that's fair. And there, as you, you know, you, we made it pretty clear there's a direct link between the, the the allegations involving these players and people who are now active players. It is tricky because the allegations did not take place on the NHL's watch, technically speaking. But I, 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 I kind of land where where Joita does, to be honest. This this is difficult. It's kind of a worst case scenario for a union to have to grapple with, but that is ultimately what has to happen. And I'm reminded of cases in in which. Police officers are accused of misconduct and are suspended immediately with pay. That's the mm. de facto mm-hmm. position. And and that seems um, to make sense, given the, the the kind of justice system that we have here and the way things work. So uh, I would love to know a lot more about what the league knew and when and how it was handled. And again, this comes back to their own, their transparency, own transparency and disclosure yeah. on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's for that reason, too, I'm a little hesitant to, to throw too many stones without knowing as much as I would like to know. Well, speaking of transparency, the London police are going to be having a formal press conference on Monday of next week. So that's when there'll be a little bit more opportunity to uh, understand what's going on with process and timelines moving forward. Thank you both for your thoughts on this one. Don't go anywhere because coming up next will uh, lighten the mood, kind of, sort of, maybe, a little bit. There are some issues surrounding the rollout of the $10 a day daycare program, and it begs this question, how much patience do you have for growing pains when governments are rolling out major policies? This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.